The Canadian military was once again used as lab rats for another massive human experiment. We've gone from mustard gas to now Moderna in 2021. It's October 5th, 2021. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you are watching The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I published is because it's my bloody right to do so. If you had said the thing I'm about to say to you on YouTube just a week ago, you would have been kicked off the platform for blaspheming against public health advice. You see, if you question the safety of a vaccine now, you're done. That's it. No matter your education, no matter your evidence, or no matter how right you eventually are, that's it. You're a goner until such time as you are proven right. And then your censorship, well, it doesn't get undone. Look at this in city news because apparently, apparently they're allowed to publish this stuff, but we at Rebel News, we can't say it on YouTube. Look at this. The Ontario government is now recommending that people between the ages of 18 and 24 receive the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine instead of Moderna due to an observed increase of myocarditis cases. The government made the announcement on Wednesday saying the recommendation has been made out of, quote, an abundance of caution. This is due to an observed increase in Ontario of the very rare heart condition called pericarditis, myocarditis, following the vaccination with Moderna compared to Pfizer in the 18 to 24 year old age group, particularly among males, the government said. The risk of myocarditis in Ontario following the second dose of Moderna in men in the 18 to 24 year old age group was one in 5,000, the government said. The number is much lower for women. That number is approximately one in 28,000 for the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Children between the ages of 12 to 17 currently only receive the Pfizer vaccine. The government said the majority of the myocarditis cases in people have been minor. Oh, that's nice. And less than 10 have required treatment in intensive care. But here is CTV back in July, really just a couple of months ago, trying to shame people who are in fact well-meaning, who want to get the vaccine, but have hesitancy about Moderna. These people were maligned for backing out of their vaccine appointments and thus wasting a dose of vaccine when they found out exactly what vaccine brand they would be getting in the end. But remember, friends, you'll get censored and called an anti-vaxxer if you had any sort of apprehensions about any of this literally seven days ago. But for me, the worst part of all of this new abundance of caution is that it's only now coming after a large group of largely young male Canadians in that danger zone age group of 18 to 24 were given the Moderna vaccine under threat of career destruction. Look at this from the Government of Canada website. CAF, so that's Canadian Armed Forces vaccination rollout. The Health Canada approved Moderna 
COVID-19 vaccine is being made available to eligible members through the Canadian Forces Health Services System. This information will be updated if the situation changes. It is expected that members in all priority groups will be offered the vaccine sometime between April and August 2021 with the goal of vaccinating as many CAF personnel as possible with both doses of the vaccine in that time frame. Now, since that first announcement about vaccinations in the CAF, things have become even less optional, as though being threatened with being marked as undeployable wasn't enough of a threat for our military. Now, since August 13th, the vaccines were made mandatory and remember, they were using the Moderna vaccine. Back to that same website, COVID-19. The government of Canada has announced intent to require vaccination for federal public servants as well as CAF members in light of the announcement made Friday, August 13th, 2021. The government of Canada intends to require COVID-19 vaccinations for federal public service employees and Canadian Armed Forces members. But friends, this isn't the first time men and women of Canada's armed forces were used as guinea pigs for sinister scientists who only saw them as a captive study group instead of human beings who would willingly die in defense of our country. Do you know about the mustard gas study done by the military. Here is a document from the Canada.ca website. It's actually written by Andre Meran in the early 2000s. At the time, he was the ombudsman of the Department of National Defense and the Canadian Forces. And based on his recommendations in this document, an apology was given and settlements were finally paid out to the men who were experimented on. His report documents what happened during World War II starting in 1941 at a time of emergency at a base in Alberta and another one in Ottawa. And to be clear, the government did not even acknowledge until 1988 that tests were done on our soldiers. Take a look at this. After years of secrecy and delay, it is time for the Department of National Defense, the DND, to remedy the wrongs done during World War II to Canadian soldiers who were subjects of chemical warfare experiments in Suffield, that's the base in Alberta and Ottawa, and to do so without the delay, costs, and rancor of litigation. The events may now be more than 60 years old, but their impact remains. So too, for a short while, does the opportunity to do something about it. During the Second World War, Canadian soldiers were asked to volunteer for top secret exercises in return for fine meals on white tablecloths, extra leave, and an extra 50 cents a day. Perhaps as many as 3,000 soldiers agreed, putting themselves at the service of their country. As they were to discover, the very real price of these modest perks was immodest and even indecent. So hang on here. Does this sound familiar? Do this thing, it's perfectly safe, and you'll end up being treated modestly better than your fellow man. 
Does that sound familiar to you yet? Let's go on from the report. Over a period of six weeks or so, many of these soldiers became unwitting participants in chemical warfare experiments. They were made to don experimental equipment or they were slathered with anti-gas ointment or made to wear uniforms with holes cut out. Some were made to stand in fields and turn their backs while planes rained chemicals down on them. Some were told to crawl through bomb craters contaminated with mustard gas and then sit in their drenched uniforms for hours, breathing the vapors and letting the liquid score their skin. When these men sought medical attention to quell the burning or to tame the blisters that broke out, veterans say it was sometimes denied so that researchers could record the effects. If all of this sounds incredible, it is only because of its rank indecency. It is unfathomable that this kind of thing would happen in this country today. It is a shameful saga, a blot on our history. Yet, the uncommon sacrifice made by these men has not been met with uncommon resolve to do what can be done to make it right. Instead, it was intentionally met with an attempt to sweep it away in the interests of, quote, national security. When the event was acknowledged, efforts to remedy it were met with an all too common inertia or an all too common inadequacy and without an admission that all of this was simply wrong. It is time for an immediate, resolute and humane response. Friends, as one of the soldiers who was gassed at CFB Suffield put it, I was just at the bottom of the totem pole. I couldn't do anything. You're just a dumb bunny that goes along with the rest of the sheep. And that's it. In short, there was no balance of information or of power that could begin to make consent an answer. Up next, friends, more after the break. is currently redefining what terrorism means and what violence means, but only if the target is someone they like. So joining me now to discuss this bizarre new concept is Ben Weingarten. He's the deputy editor of Real Clear Investigations. He's a senior contributor at The Federalist, a columnist at Newsweek and at the Epoch Times and a fellow at the Claremont Institute. Is there some place that you don't work, Ben? Anyway, <laughs> I think the theme of this week truly is Violence and terrorism and threats, they're all being redefined to mean just things the left disagrees with. Um, all you have to do is look at the response from the mainstream media to the harassment of Kristen Cinema. They bully her outside of the bathroom stall. They attack Republicans at the gas station or the restaurant or in their yard um, when they're cutting their grass. I guess that's all fine, but AOC has PTSD for experiencing a breach of the Capitol building from a distance. What's going on here, Ben? Yeah, well, I think we have to put this in context of a shift 
that we've seen in the West broadly and in America in particular from a truly liberal West that actually believed in neutrality in the sense of I can have an opinion, you can have an opinion, we settle it in a civil fashion, and there are merits to arguments on both sides. We all sort of want the same things out of life, and we all have the same view of the purpose of government, the purpose of society, and beyond. The gloves are off now in the sense of the illiberalism of the ruling class in the West, which says, our way or the highway, essentially. You either adhere to our slew, our series of beliefs on a whole array of issues, public health, the environment, the economy, election integrity, you name it. If you, if you dissent from the ruling class's orthodoxy, which really means if you dare to challenge the ruling class's power and privilege, you are now being reclassified as not just a threat to their power and privilege, but actually a threat to national security in the US or to public health. And of course, Donald Trump singularly represented the threat of dissent from the orthodoxy. He, he threatened the administrative state. He threatened the entire sort of globalist project of the last several decades. And consequently, he had to be taken out. But as a proxy for tens of millions of other people in America and really beyond, America. And in the wake of January 6th, about a week later, I wrote a piece at The Federalist discussing the fact that this event was going to be used to justify a war on wrong think in America. And I think we've seen that play out in a number of different instances under the guise of public health and public safety. Again, reclassifying dissenters as threats to national security. So we've seen the Department of Homeland Security, for example, put out these national terrorism advisories which say that essentially those who are critics of Chinese coronavirus policies, those who are critics of election integrity in 2020 and beyond, themselves may constitute threats to homeland security. Of course, the Biden administration's national strategy for countering domestic terrorism, first of its kind, speaks to much more broadly the thrust of the administration in the wake of January 6th to use that event to justify a very chilling usage of the national security law enforcement intelligence apparatus and turning it against American citizens who they classify, uh, of course, very nebulously as threats. And now we see this, yes, in terms of critical race theory. If you dare to dissent from the public education bureaucrats or labor unions line and the Democratic Party line, of course, on CRT, you are being recast as potentially a domestic terrorist. And of course, then the full weight of the government might be mobilized against you. This is very disturbing. This is crossing into third world sort of territory. And it's why I thought that it was so imperative to say right after January 6th that this would be used to justify a war on wrong thinkers. And it's not just conservatives. It's anyone who dares break from the progressive or ruling class line on a whole array of issues. To your point, like with Senator Sinema, a Democrat out of Arizona, who they used to love, by the way, as a maverick Democrat. Now they don't love her so much because she won't go along to get along. You know, it, some of your work, I mean, it was very fascinating to compare the January 6th riot with the response to the George Floyd riots. I mean, the full weight of the government was mobilized to, I guess, protect Democrats when it comes to the January 6th riot. But none of that same uh, force was ever mobilized to protect Americans and communities as people were rioting 
because of the death of George Floyd, because apparently the legality of riot seems to break down along political lines. But uh, more to your point about critical race theory, that what you're saying is not a conspiracy theory, and it sounds crazy, but the attorney general, Merrick Garland, has instructed the FBI to mobilize against parents who oppose critical race theory at public schools. And his request to do this follows a request by the National School Board Association to classify protests by peaceful parents. These are peaceful protests and demonstrations at school board meetings where parents are supposed to go to be heard. He want they want to classify this as domestic terrorism. This is silencing of peaceful wrong thinkers. Absolutely right. And of course, citing unnamed threats in this mm. short letter from the Attorney General of the United States, who quickly responded to the lobbying from this education organization, so-called. And of course, this goes to the much broader point of trying to reclassify basically MAGA plus as domestic terrorists or would-be domestic terrorists, insurrectionist, pick your adjective to describe tens of millions of Americans. And that's why I say the gloves are off, because yeah. while the left, of course, attacked their opponents, has have always attacked their opponents, the notion that up to half the country or more constitutes dom violent domestic extremists, domestic extremists, however they're going to be classified, that just goes into a whole nother realm of anti-Western, really, policy, rhetoric, and beyond, even to the demonization of the unvaccinated, the, the national yes. security, the public health threat that the unvaccinated, unwashed masses pose to the country, notwithstanding, of course, that there are plenty of constituencies in this country, Democrat constituencies largely, who themselves have disproportionately high non-vaccination rates, but set all that aside. The demonization, the smearing, the targeting, and then beyond just that, the actual application of state force and the full power of the government against wrong thinkers puts us again in a, in a dangerous Rubicon crossing really understates the threat that we've seen to our most essential liberties, namely the liberty to think freely and to be able to debate that. And they want to classify Rhetoric they don't like, of course, as hate speech and that they can use the full force of the government against it. So uh, this is a terrible development for the West. And, and you know, in, in many ways, the United States is just following a little bit more slowly, much of Europe. And of course, I know Canada when it comes to free speech as well. Uh, but nevertheless, if America falls, I do feel that the whole West falls. And we, you know, we see this obviously in Australia, the draconian crackdowns there as well. Uh, horrible developments throughout the West. Uh, but where America is, is a completely different place from where we were even just a few years ago. And before we wrap this up, I think this is a, sort of a situation of the boiling frog. We've been told for years, if you don't think taxes change the weather, then you don't care about a boiling earth. And, and if you don't think your SUV is going to spell the end of humankind, then you are, you know, basically you're killing Mother Gaia. Um, we've seen sort of the same rhetoric laid over on people who don't want to wear a mask in a grocery store. Well, you're a grandma killer. So I think this, where we are now, started a long time ago and people were sort of primed for, I guess, being okay with this. The good news is that America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And as you so rightly point out, 
if America falls, where's that shining city on the hill for the rest of us? Yeah, and if, if we want to take an optimistic view of this, there are several states that have dissented from the orthodoxy and a whole slew of issues, places like a Florida or a Texas, but it really does appear to be the minority of the country. And one of the more demoralizing things I've found since the onset of the coronavirus here has been the willingness of Americans to have their liberties suspended yeah. for months at a time and to tie it back into the George Floyd riots that you were talking about. Remember, Americans' most basic natural rights, and really the natural rights of us all, were restricted for arbitrary and capricious reasons at the very same time that those protests were encouraged by the public health authorities, by our politicians. So while they say you have to stay at home, you can't go to church, you can't have a Thanksgiving meal with your family, et cetera, at the very same time, encouraging protests out in the streets, super spreader events, so-called, they would call it, were it conservatives getting together or anyone who's a non-progressive. So the double standard shows you that at the end of the day, this is all about politics, power, dividing and conquering. And control. Ben, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find your work? Because your work is absolutely phenomenal. I really appreciate that. Uh, everything that I write, the videos that I put out, etc., you can find them by subscribing to my Substack at winegarden.substack.com. And I'm probably a little bit too prolific on Twitter. You can find me there <laughs> at bhwinegarden. It's a curse we all suffer from. Ben, thank you so much. Stay with us more up next after the break. You know, friends, Ben Weingarten is so right about the constant othering and dehumanization of people with simply dissenting peaceful viewpoints. That's why I want to show you this important video done by Sidney Fassard. He's our videographer who has recently based himself in Calgary, Alberta, and he has been covering the story of a restaurant that's calling itself Without Papers Pizza, where they are serving you pizza indoors, even if you don't have your Vax papers. The proprietor of this business takes a minute to remind public health authorities who are at the time threatening to take away his liquor and business licenses and close his business altogether, that the people he serves are still human beings. Take a look. want us all fighting with each other. They want us treating each other like garbage. They want us separated from our families and divided along political lines. If you're a business owner who does not want to degrade his customers by treating some of them as clean and others as unclean, 
please reach out to us at our special website, wewontask.com and let us tell your story and you can get one of these fun wewontask.com stickers for your door, signaling to the world that you won't ask about vaccine status, that you respect human rights, dignity, and privacy. And if you are not a business owner, but you want to chip in to support business owners and cover the cost of their stickers, you can do that at that very same website, wewontask.com. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Thanks to Mr. Brand New Producer in the office in Toronto for turning this uh, hodgepodge of video clips into a show for our beloved subscribers tonight. Treat each other with decency and don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. Thank you.